Hello and welcome to the 183rd episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focused on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discussed the game they hit to promote, which in this case is Unforeseen Incidents, which is developed by Backwards Entertainment and published by Application Systems. Marcus. Hello. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? I am Marcus and I am the game designer and writer of Unforeseen Incidents. Wow. So wait, wait, let's get this right. You wrote and designed this. Yes, both of these hard tasks. Yes, but they're very (laughs) disparate tasks in my opinion. You may disagree, but I think they're somewhat, not at odds, I was about to say at odds, that's wrong. Very different tranches of skills, storytelling and design, and that's that's a thing. That's yeah, a thing. but yeah. but I think for adventure games, it's kind of important that you uh, have both of these um, disciplines combined. Because if your game design doesn't emerge from your story, um, you probably have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is there is a bit of that. There is a bit of that going on. I've got mm-hmm. that. All right, so. Yeah. First question, then you've done that one. Well done, you named yourself. <laughs> Describe <laughs> what you do. What, how did you make your start making games? Oh, I started making games, um, I think, uh, three or four years ago. Um, I studied um, in Germany uh, a study program called Ap- uh, Applied Media and Cognitive Science, which was, uh, which was a mixture of psychology and computer science. And in the computer science courses, I always focused on game design and game development. And uh, when I finished my studies, I started working in a small company in Berlin. Um, And I worked there as a game designer and as a partly a programmer as well. And um, in our spare times, I and three of my friends, we were working on a um, point-and-click adventure game idea. Um, and we were lucky enough to, to meet a publisher at Gamescom in 2015. And then we started working on Unforeseen Incidents, our first own game, in the beginning of 2016. Yeah. Fantastic. So Gamescom, that's a, that's a good show. I do, I do like Gamescom for two reasons. One, I'm not saying this because you're, you're in Germany, but I actually do like Germany quite a lot. I like going there. And, mm. you know, Cologne is a, it's a wonderful city. It really is. Uh, where Gamescom is, it's on the eastern side, so it's kind of in yeah. the industrial area. So you have to go right mm. across the river to get yeah. to Cologne proper. Um, yeah. But also, I love the fact that it's split into two bits. So you have the public side, which is this heaving mass of, I'm going to say it, Germans, generally. Uh, <laughs> 250,000 people go to this thing every year. Hordes of people. And yeah. then, then the other end... The other halls, the other end of the halls, you have the industry side, which is all the people like me and you now um, get, get, trying to promote our, or, you know, I'm trying to get coverage and you're trying to promote what you're doing. It's mm-hmm. just an odd mix. Uh, but it works, doesn't it? Yeah. It is, it is. It is. Um, and 
as you said, a lot of people come, are coming there, not only visitors, but also trade visitors, the um, games industry people. And um, as, a, as a small indie game developer, especially, you get the chance to meet people from, I don't know, publishers or press. And But at the same time, you can show your small games to to a big audience that um, and have the, and a possibility to, to show the games to, to a lot of people, which is very hard uh, right now because there are so many games coming out every day. And um, with uh, booths like the India Arena booth, for example, at Gamescom, um, we have the great opportunity to, to share a place with uh, um, other indie game developers um, and show our games. And at the same time, we are able to meet industry people. So yeah. Yeah, that's um, each year a very important event for us. Yeah, yeah, and it's hosted so well, and mm. uh, food's quite nice as well. Which is same can't be said for certain other shows. I'm just saying because <laughs> yeah. I, I do I do attend a lot of expos, and people mm. regular listeners will know I I attend packs East and West, mm. um, and I do go to Rest of course because that's local mm. to me. Um, Rest is a very very odd interesting show and i'm really happy to stumble upon unforeseen incidents while i was there it's one mm. of the reasons i love res so much because that's all <coughs> it is it's just pretty much indie games it's all it is so mm. wherever you go you just discover these little gems and i do um you know when i approach people and i approach prs and I approach people so Can, i need to have these people on my show because i want to i want to raise this up above the 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 the, the, the sea the sea Marcus of games out there. It really is a vast ocean now, and like, yeah. this one's a gem. We need to talk about this because <laughs> it's it, it means something and it's trying to say something that needs to be heard. But anyway, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm, I'm getting a bit enthusiastic. But um, <laughs> um, it's it's uh, it's it really is uh, wonderful to hear that you're basically just starting out. Going, hey, we made this thing, and yeah. it's very. Um, uh, I mean, a point and click events. I've seen a lot of them now. Say a lot. I mean, every show I go to, they just appear out mm. of nowhere. Oh, I mean, and there was one at PAX. We'll talk about that after the show. It's interesting. And mm. uh, it's it's just like, oh, this is nice. This is good to see. This is this you know these 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 things um, are worthy of people's <coughs> attention, and it's good to to know that they're making a, a, a comeback. But, yeah, um, we're lucky to have uh, a few adventure games and point-and-click adventures, especially right now or in the last years. There were quite some, but um, I don't know what's what's going to happen next because it's very hard to sell adventure games. And big uh, companies like, for example, Tedelic or others um, announced that they will stop making adventure games for now, like LucasArts once did. And... Um, because it's still so hard to to sell them and very expensive to produce them. Yeah. And yeah. I, for myself, I don't know if we will be able to make another point and click adventure after unforeseen incidents. No. So I don't know because uh, it's just very very hard. But but we will see, and I hope that it's somehow that it always will be somehow possible to to make point and click adventures because they are such a nice genre. Indeed, and just for your own sort of. Um of reference here or information um they stream really well you know people playing these and the people on twitch or whatever or youtube whatever streaming service you want to you prefer um i watch one right now who's he's actually going through all the dos p 
PC games and point and, and adventure games, uh, and mm. there's there's over two thousand of them or something. It's ludicrous, but he's just playing them all, and they're really fun to watch. Someone grapple with these puzzles, and you're screaming at the screen, going, "Come on, it's right there!" <laughs> <laughs> and and he does a great job of making little notes on the side and stuff. So well, here you go. It's the there's a there's another market. There's another. I don't like using that phrase, but there's another audience. There it is. There, there definitely is. I mean, for developers, mm. for for developers of narrative games, it's always hard to to say is it is it good when your when your game is streamed on Twitch or on YouTube. If let's players play your game, because these are linear games, and uh, once you've seen the story, you you usually don't play play the game again. Um, no. And um, if you've seen everything on Twitch, you wouldn't buy the game. And yeah, yeah. so, uh, one hand, I agree it's it's very um, interesting and it's good, uh, or, or it can be fun to watch other people's play adventure games mm. um, because you can experience the story similar in a similar way. Mm. Um, but of course, as a developer, I would say it would be better if people bought the games and played them themselves and have the experience yes. for. That yourselves. What we right. did in our game was that we um, tried to include stuff that makes it interesting to replay the game or to have dialogue choices that you you have, have points where you decide I say this or this line and if you choose one line you can't go back to the other one or that you have multiple comments on, on hotspots and stuff like that to make it interesting to play or see it again or play it in a different way for example. Mm. That's excellent, and I did notice that. It's not one of my questions, though, uh, <laughs> because I didn't want to delve into that too much. It was very interesting, but you, you might branch into that when we go into the second half. But uh, here's my third question to you. Um, yeah. What are your biggest influences as a creator? I think um, there are a lot of influences. I mean, firstly, obviously, uh, adventure games. And uh, story experiences like um, TV shows for for uh, our first game, um, Twin Peaks, Lost, Fargo were um, big inspirations. Um, or uh, I mean, obviously all point-and-click adventure games from LucasArts and other point-and-click adventure games from the 90s from other companies. Um, that that were the influence, and that was the. Um, reason why we decided to make a game like this and we wanted to tell a mystery story so all of these mysteries of stranger things as well tv shows like that are the obvious influences but um i think also everyday life maybe i usually write the stories not only sitting on on my desk and and writing a lot i mean quite a lot of hours are spent exactly like that but a lot of hours are also spent like um, running around or, or walking around or meeting people or um, watching people or I don't know, just just living and and seeing what what kind of things happen. I think that's very very important to to get um, to just experience stuff to uh, not only sit in your small room and and try to come up with ideas. No, you need to get out there and need to get some uh, influences and and. Yeah, I think that's a mixture of um, mystery stories, point-and-click adventure games, and just going out and meeting people. Yeah, I like that last one. <laughs> and that definitely shows in uh, Unforeseen Incidents. It really, really does. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I'm hinting at a new question there, but we'll, mm -hmm. we'll press on. But that's an excellent yeah. response. 
Um, I, I do like the fact you you delved your immediate response, your immediate sort of gut reaction is awesome TV shows, or at least some of them. Lost <laughs> kind of lost its way, pun intended, yeah. by the way. In season three, <laughs> it, it has. But yeah. but the idea was um, when I started writing a mystery story, I think I just finished watching Lost um, <laughs> when I when I wrote the first uh, uh, draft of the story. Yeah, and I was so disappointed with the last. I think it was the last season, but yeah. especially yeah. with the finale, that that I thought we have to make a mystery story that in the end explains what yes. happened. What yeah, happened, and yeah. that we know what happened from the beginning when we start writing the story. When the first chapter starts, we know what will happen in the end, yeah. and you can clearly see in Lost that they didn't know. They just had to come up with something, and they didn't explain a lot of things and. I think that was disappointing. I think it's our called, yeah. I think it's called the Battlestar Galactica effect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, that lost something. Something about season three. They go. I oh, can't. We can't. We should stop now. Yeah, you should stop. <laughs> you should, there's a reason there's only two seasons of Forty Towers. I'm just saying. Uh, yes, I just to compare Forty Towers to Lost. That's fine. <laughs> it's all right. Anyway. Um, no, and yeah, other point-and-click adventures as well. Although not Gabriel Knight, just to be clear. Do you mm-hmm. know, it's my favourite thing about uh, text of uh, point-and-click adventures. The reason in the early nineties they suddenly went, you know, in the mid nineties, and suddenly vanished, is because there's an infamous incident during a game of Gabriel Knight. I think it's Gabriel Knight three, where you had to figure out to make a disguise and in order to make a disguise you had to use a piece of sellotape or sort of sticky plastic um sort of and then used use that to and use it on a cat to make a cat hair mustache <laughs> and it's known as the cat hair puzzle and it's mm-hmm. infamous it's, it's just awful because you could never figure that out <laughs> it, the puzzle becomes so esoteric so difficult to understand could not possibly know there was no lateral thinking you couldn't use any lateral thinking to arrive at that solution you couldn't yeah. Yeah. and uh it was that point they realized that the medium or not the medium the genre had eaten itself it actually eaten itself and everyone went <laughs> we're done with this and people walked away and every, and it's been it uh, it took a long long time a long time for for the genre to come back and watch it i uh, did a really good job of uh coming back with some amazing mm. games and uh, that's yeah. what kicked it all off and then you know um we have um uh, uh the um lucasarts alumni coming back as well making making pointing click adventures so that's that's a good thing yes. um what developer do you most admire in the industry and why that's that's a hard question yeah. um <laughs> I think when I started making games, it was obviously LucasArts and then also Double Fine um, because I, I watched the Double Fine adventure documentary and um, this was just so interesting. And if anybody is interested in game development um, and wants to get an insight in how a game is made, I can definitely recommend watching the Broken Age um, making of documentary. It's very honest, isn't it? It's it is, honest. and yeah. yeah, and yeah, it's it's also as for game developers, or, or I think for adventure game developers, uh, adventure game developers is also motivating and inspiring to to watch that, and um, 
so that was something I, I really liked and that because of that I really liked Double Fine and um, I liked LucasArts because they made my favorite games. Um, nowadays I know a lot of small indie game developers and uh, I couldn't pick anyone saying this is uh, a big inspiration or this is a big um, this is my favorite developer or something like that because I know so many people personally uh, and I know uh, it's difficult yeah. you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so yeah. um my next um next question to you mm-hmm. is um what are you playing right now oh uh, right now i'm playing nothing <laughs> right now <laughs> I'm, I'm finishing the game and when you work on on games <clears throat> you you get to hear that a lot of ga- that game developers don't play a lot of games anymore because you're making a game the whole day you're you're sitting there 8 hours or I don't know how long and you're working on games and then um I like to do different stuff in my free time than keep sitting on the computer or uh, playing games from time to time of course I I I play games and I'm looking forward to different kinds of games my the last game I really enjoyed was Firewatch, or um, I played Oxenfree, or I don't know. I also play other games from time to time. I just play FIFA with my uh, roommates, um, or uh, yeah. But mostly I, I play narrative-driven games. Everybody's Gone to the Rapture was a, was a game I recently played. Um, but that's then from, from time to time I just start playing them and I finish the game and then there might be a couple of weeks where I don't play any games and then I start playing a game again. Oh, and I start playing Stimulary Park. Yeah. Well, that's a, we can talk about everyone's gone to the rapture because I, I played that about a year mm-hmm. ago now, maybe 18 months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I remember it very distinctly. Very British. Very mm-hmm. British game. Very, and it's set in this strange little village where something happened in the 1980s clearly yeah. didn't and everyone just vanished and what i love about that experience i'm going to call it that mm-hmm. that the whole you know the, the uh, is um it never once it never once explains what you are mm-hmm. it never says i mean you you're going around you're floating floating walking i'm not sure <laughs> but you're moving around this place and it's beautiful it really is beautiful yes. and you're sort of following these and you're seeing these sort of shadows of what people, what happened, and what things, mm. people, and then you hear these voices, and hear these tales, but not once ever does the game explain who, or more to the point, what you are. Yes. And I thought, and it's never answered. That's never answered. Mm. And I think it's purely deliberate. But that, as a writer, you must have found that quite fascinating. Or did you think it was clumsy? Or what did you make of that? Did you spot that? I mean, I'm sure <clears throat> did. Um, yeah, not not really directly, but but um, I think as a writer, you always come from a point where you where you think you have to introduce your protagonist. That is very important that people know who they are and that your protagonist is likable and that people want to be the protagonist. So. Um, when I start writing stuff, I usually think of who is the main character and um, how can I tell people who the main character is. And um, if a game just doesn't do that, 
from my perspective at first that's something mm, yeah I wouldn't know if that's a good idea but in this case it worked because as you said it is a very unique experience and um, it's uh, a narrative experiment maybe somehow as well because you you go through this world and you can discover anything but everyone is gone and but you see kind of these snippets of of um people talking so you see what happened and this is um a new kind of of storytelling and um with these modern ex experimental or this modern explorate uh, explorative games we can um somehow uh, present new narrative structures and narrative ideas and i think um that might be the reason why it's not so important to to explain who you are because you don't even interact with anybody and you just it's just like more like watching a movie maybe and um maybe there is isn't even a protagonist you're just um controlling the camera and then seeing different scenes and so this is very different to to a classic maybe point and click adventure or a classic narrative game that is just seeing scenes and and connecting the things and in the end uh you you get to know a little bit more what what happened there um it's a very interesting way of of storytelling yes and i have my own theories about what you are mm. in the game i'm sure you do as well and that's great that we have that mm. it's great that you know and the, and a lot of people criticized it because it was like wait this isn't a game like well doesn't really work that way but never mind um you know this is an experience and it's like it is very akin to to reading a book but it's just unique to the medium yeah. it's unique to the medium itself because only the i believe only video games could have done this really effectively you could have argued a film could have done it as well um uh, maybe but it would have lacked that immersiveness yeah. that connection right. to yeah. the, the what was going on because if you were just simply following a path without actually yes. doing anything, that would have been quite dry. Um, yes, right. So I, I think uh, having giving the player agency mm -hmm. with that, that's what made that so special for me. And I yeah, of course. I, it's, yeah. And it's also about exploring the world, of course, and, yeah. and uh, finding little things in the world that hint to, to what happened in that place. Yes, and it was so beautifully realised and so small and because it's so small, they could really, really go to town with the rendering and the imagery. And because it's such a compact space, they could pour all their memory and fill it with so many little extraordinary things, extraordinary yes. things. And uh, it was a really expert um, way of manipulating the medium. And that's, mm. why, that's why I actually praise it for that. For that. Um, but um, yes, there are some problems with the story and the narrative and the disconnect i believe i think there's some not plot holes but just, uh, people acting one minute they're acting one way um and then they act inconsistently with their character um you could argue that they're under stress at the time but it was yeah it's odd sometimes there was a discord that happened uh several times in in in, in the game and uh, that was a little little uh, annoying but apart from that it was an extraordinary experience mm, yeah so, that's um, the end of the first half. Well done. You made it. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But now we're going to go into part two where we delve deep into unforeseen incidents.
So, first question, as regular listeners will know, isn't a question at all. It's this question zero. It's uh, <laughs> basically me requesting you, Marcus. Requesting yeah. of you, I should say. Please tell us, what is Unforeseen Incidents? Unforeseen Incidents is a mystery story. And it tells the story of Harper Pendrell, who is a small-town handyman um, who lives in a small town called Yaletown. And in Yaletown, um, suddenly a very contagious virus breaks out and uh, the, the, the city is somehow... Um, there. Uh, a lot of paramedics are coming to the town to, to take care of, of the virus and take care of the infected uh, persons because because the virus is very deadly as well and if someone is infected he needs to go to the emergency camp that's um, in the outskirts of the city and uh, in all of this Harper um, gets uh, a phone call from from uh, Professor McBride who is um, working on on a vaccine for the virus and Harper is going to him and on his way back because he has a problem with his laptop and on his way back Harper meets uh, a woman who is infected with the horrible virus and that woman asks him to bring an envelope to a reporter called Halliwell uh, who is uh, staying in the hotel and this is how everything starts. Harper goes to the hotel and tries to find Halliwell but Halliwell isn't in the hotel because um, Halliwell uses the wrong name to stay in the hotel, which is one of the first puzzles. Find out who is Halliwell, meet Halliwell, and, um, and then a mystery story evolves, and you find out that there's a dark conspiracy behind everything, and in the game, you need to find out who is spreading this virus, why is all of this happening, and yes, all of this is uh, told in a point-and-click adventure gameplay way. We have um, comical-style uh, graphics and um, the whole game consists of four chapters um, each chapter taking place in a different place in the uh, world and um, yeah all in all about 12 hours of playtime I think that's the uh, outline of everything fantastic thank you yeah. um, so my first question is this and uh, it's, it sounds a bit glib this one but I want you to expand on it why mm-hmm. did you go with the virus outbreak? Why, why that um, setup? What, what, what made you draw? What, what, why did that draw you to that? It could have been anything, but why that? <clears throat> it could have been anything. It could have been something different. Um, it is. It starts with Harper, and Harper is living in Yaletown, and Harper is living in this small town. But in, in the course of the story, we'll find more find out more about Harper. That Harper. Uh, used to to go out and um, used to study in a different city, but then went back for for reasons. And um, it's so uh, one part of the story and one part of what we tell is um, the story of Harper and how he is forced to to leave his hometown because there's this horrible virus and Harper is connected to the virus somehow. And it's a very character driven thing as well. But I think. Um, players need to to play and see the story to to understand what i mean here um on the other hand is the reason why we went with a virus is that there was this other main premise that we wanted to make a mystery story and um we as i told you earlier we wanted uh, inspired by the ending of lost we wanted to make a mystery story where everything could be explained in the end and this virus that suddenly turned up and um 
and that that was so aggressive and is so deadly is something um, that has a mysterious vibe, but also it can, can be explained because um, I'm not turning too much uh, when I say that someone is deliberately spraying uh, spreading this virus, and um, so this is a good premise for a mystery story in which everything can be explained in the end and. Um, with these two elements, with Harper's personal story and with this mystery, explainable mystery element, we have a combination of something we, we wanted to do. And that was the reason why we went with the virus outbreak idea. Yeah. Yes, it's, uh, I just wanted to draw that out with you because it's, it's a fundamental sort of, it's like a creeping death kind of thing. It's always there. It's almost mm-hmm. another character. At least initially. Yeah, um, a lot of people ask us if they are zombies, but uh, that's not the case. No, I'm not suggesting that. I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking the virus itself is is the menace, not not yeah. you know. But um, uh, it's like a villain, really. Mm, yes. but, uh, it's not. I think it's um, it's kind of like that. But I think it's overly simplistic to say that because it's more of a uh, a very interesting mechanic to create a sense of urgency, a sense of drama, yeah. a sense yeah. of uh, if you don't act quickly, this is going to get out of control, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of thing. So, and it is quite dramatic. I do. I have paid the opening sections, and I don't want to spoil anything. But this, you know, the finding of the woman and going to the hotel. It's all. It's all very interesting uh, how that sort of pans out. But um, the puzzle design of point and click adventures can make or indeed break them, as we spoke about earlier on in the show. Could you explain how you have approached their design and how you avoided the yeah. weirdness that I spoke about with the Gabriel Knight? How have you made sure that there's some, you know, you're, that the player is awarded for using lateral thinking and that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, our game is no comedy adventure, which makes it easier in the first place uh, to not have very weird puzzles and combinations but when you're when you're designing and writing puzzles um it can easily happen that you come up come up with weird stuff but in case of when you're writing a comedy adventure you might just go with it because it's funny and it's uh, or in your head it's funny and and you think oh that's something um that that players need to to think and and then they are rewarded when they they come come up with a solution because this is so weird and so strange and this is something we don't do at all we have puzzles that would um generally spoken be uh, solvable in the real world as well so we have um logic combinations of things you don't uh, combine things that are cartoony or strange but you you do stuff you would do in the normal world as well for example harper is this handyman and he has to repair a lot of things during the game he always has his little multi-tool with him and uh, in one point of the game for example you you get a tv but the tv is broken so harper opens the tv with a screwdriver and then he sees uh, there's a, a cold soldering uh, point and he needs to go home to his um soldering iron and picks the tv and everything of this is something that could be done in the real world there's no comedy cartoon puzzles and um yes then uh, we we tested the game with a lot of people we started testing very early and uh, i think uh, during half a uh, half of a year so the last half year uh, people tested the game and there were some points um where they got stuck and where it was hard. 
and then we ex uh, changed these a little bit so people don't get stuck in the game because we don't want to hold people back from um, experiencing the story. We want we don't want that the puzzles stand in the way of the players. We want the puzzles to be integrated into the story. That was I told you earlier that that game design and writing the game is something that is. Um, it's not two different disciplines, but they belong together in a well-written narrative game. And this is something we want to do. We want to have people or players experience the story um, without them having get stuck because the puzzle design is bad. So, And I hope, because we had all of this in mind and we had a lot of playtesting, I hope that it worked out. But we will see when the game releases. I think it does. Well, I play it. <laughs> That's good to hear. I was really impressed with how it was all laid out, and um, yes, you're right. Why, why, why kick the player in the teeth? What are you doing? What, what, what's your end goal there? Do you want them to experience the game? I don't get it. You know, it's, it's so there's that fine line of making it not too obscure and difficult, whilst not making it too easy. Mm. If you just make it too easy, then it's just, you know you're just moving the mouse. Oh, it's obvious. Uh, uh, no, you need, you need some challenge, otherwise, you know. Yes, of course. And I don't think the game is easy. I, I think no, no. I've seen that it's pretty hard. But um, I think it's fair as well, and that's important. It's fair. The puzzles are not uh, unlogical, but they, they can be solved by thinking. And always there are some hints integrated in the world. You, if you get stuck, you look at, go around and look at the hotspots or talk to the characters, and somewhere there will be a hint, and then you will know, oh, yes, of course, I have to do that. Yeah. It's note-taking. Okay, if you mm. play an adventure game, yeah. Honestly, just take notes. But have a fair means or foul. I don't mind how you do it, but just scribble something down or write something on the screen and go, right, that's there. Let's do that. They said that. Oh, wait, that's that's important because they said it twice. And it's mm -hmm. just like you know, and it, it, that's what you do. That's what the that's the joy of these games. You just sit there and ponder and go away, come back the next day and carry yeah. on. And because you know, you're trying to blast through it, you're never going to do it. It just doesn't work. Your brain just starts to seize up and go, can I go to sleep now? <laughs> so um, so now I'm going to talk about the content now rather than the, the, mm -hmm. the, the design. So I think we've really sort of covered that side of things in all angles. So I want to ask you about the characters that you encounter, including the main protagonists as well. They're mm -hmm. all quite quirky and odd. Some, mm -hmm. of, some of them aren't, but some of them are just a little bit odd. Um <laughs> Like there's the um, there's the uh, the chap in the hotel, yeah. yeah. He's very strange uh, <laughs> and, and very you know, and uh, he doesn't seem to care much about what you're doing and stuff. Um, but um, how does this come about? Was that always your intention to make these strange creatures? Um, that was probably the influence of Twin Peaks as well, where the characters are very odd. And strange, and something is happening, but you don't know what is happening there. Um, so maybe some of these influences and it just fits the world to to have characters that are not just normal and or um, very straightforward, but they are somehow a little bit strange. Uh, and yeah, but but there's not really much more to say to that because um, we don't have a bigger agenda uh, behind odd characters um we just 
tried to to write characters that fit into the world and we when we started writing the characters we already had the background art and we already had the story of course written out um so it was not really hard to, to come up with the characters what was important for us was that we wrote um for each character we made um first a big character sheet describing the character um very precisely uh, we have um sketch them out in, in various directions and not all of them are represented in the game but um, so we, we got to know the characters before we started writing the dialogue and we knew the world and uh, we had our influences and I think the combinations of these things is uh, what what uh, make out the characters in the end yeah and I think for me it drives the player on it certainly drove me on because I wanted to meet new people because mm-hmm. it's like, how weird are these going to gonna get? Every time you walk <laughs> into a room, like, oh, there's another weird person. Quick, go over there and stay, say something. Just, you know, because you want to know what they're going to say, what they're going to do. You know, mm-hmm. there was two strange sports fans sitting in chairs yeah. and having a very strange conversation about their opposing teams. It mm-hmm. was just, yeah, lovely stuff. That felt like Fargo, a lot of that stuff. Because mm-hmm. Fargo is riddled, riddled yeah. with very strange people. And, yeah. Uh, it's one of the reasons I like that film so much. Mm. So, well, final question then. I know. Okay. So, it's, you know, these all good things come to an end. <laughs> but um, I'm going to ask about the art style. You hinted at it before, but it's very comic book-like, almost comic strip-like. It feels like a, a, a comic strip that you'd see in a newspaper back in the day when newspapers were a thing. Um, <laughs> tell us, how did, how did that come about? That that has a story, and a lot of people can't believe it. But um, this art style emerged from a restriction, um, and the art style is something that people really love and that um, make our game stand out a lot. I think a lot of people are when we exhibit the game at um, conferences or at festivals, people um, just just stand there, watch, and are hooked by by the art and what they see. And because it looks so nice. And um, this came from the restriction that we had at the beginning when we said, okay, we want to make this game. We sketched out the story and we knew that we need about 65 uh, backgrounds. And um, we had a budget and we had uh, limited amounts of time. So, And we had one artist, Matze, uh, drew all the background graphics. He also drew the characters. We had an additional animator on that, but... Um, he had to do a lot because uh, we wrote such a long story. And um, with a limited amount of time, we calculated it, and then we knew, okay, he needs to draw um, two or at least one background per week. And um, that was, uh, yeah, that was not much time for, for these backgrounds. And then in the beginning, we started trying out how can we make... Um, backgrounds that are finished after two and a half days and uh, that resulted in this comic look the sketchy look i mean he got better uh, over the course of time and we redid some of the early background paintings as well because um he was just getting in there in the beginning but uh generally it was um there was one step of work just missing it's just it's, it's a little bit more concept arty than other um adventure game backgrounds this is something that that a background would look like um in the beginning in the concept art phase maybe 
And we just stopped at some point and said, okay, we don't have more time. We leave it like that. And we looked at the backgrounds and, and thought, that's looking really good. And we need to stop now. We don't just need to stop now because we don't have any more time. But we need to stop now because it's looking really good. And um, this is how this uh, this art, uh, how we came up with this art. And I think that the art style also fits the story and, and the as you said, the odd characters and places very well. So everything came together pretty good, I think. It did. It really did. And that's one of the things that drew me. It's a bit shallow, maybe, but for me to be drawn to by the visuals of a video game. But <laughs> once I delved in, uh, it, there was... Uh, definitely a sense of oh there's more to this mm-hmm. and it's the, I just for me it's the sense of foreboding mm-hmm. with married with this humor this very quirky odd humor which mm-hmm. is really twin peaks like i mean that's what <laughs> the thing about twin peaks it's actually very funny but you can't find yourself laughing at the log lady or the fbi agent obsessing about pie uh, <laughs> because there's some very dark things happening Mm. with bob and you know it's it's all a bit and so with this with 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 unforeseen incidents you have a situation where you've got this terrible virus wiping out you know population of this it's awful while Mm. at the same time talking to a bellboy about fish tanks you know it's (laughs) what, what just it just yeah and again with lost there was some very terrible things happening lost but there were also some amusing things that happened too. Mm. And some of the characters, were, all the characters in that that show were odd uh, to the point where they ate themselves. <laughs> Not actually, but figuratively. Um, but um, yeah, it's all... So yeah, if you, listener, like any of those shows, and I'm sure you do, then you'd be foolish not to pick up um, unforeseen incidents. So... Um, it's coming out on the 24th of May, I heard you say? Yes. It's a big day. It's not far. Towards yeah, the end of this right. month. And uh, it's coming out on Windows, PC, Mac and Linux. Same Correct. Time. Yeah. It's coming out on Steam. Do look out for it. Um, I'll be sort of promoting it quite heavily as well because I do believe in this game. Otherwise, we wouldn't have Marcus on the show to talk about it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a joy to have you on been a fantastic mm-hmm. guest thank you very very much you're more than welcome to come back and uh, tell about whatever next project you've got lined up um yeah. in the far future we have had yes. return guests because this show's been going for quite some time as you could guess from the opening gambit when i was told you it was episode 183 mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i still can't believe it's gone that far but there it is anyway <laughs> again thank you uh very much marcus and uh yeah Good luck with this. Yeah, thank you. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me, any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to the show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com also don't forget to check out the computer game show which is the stablemate podcast should we say of spong.com
Bye!